Hey, everyone. Hi, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of 2018. Hello. I'm sitting here with Jake Weissman. Hello, Jake Weissman. Hi. Welcome. Jake stars in the new Comedy Central show, Corporate, which is airing on January 17th. But we're, we're pre-recording this. This is actually the tail end of 2017. But since this is going to be January 1st, we can talk all about our hopes and dreams for 2018 and an array of other stuff, including the fact that I'm going to be... I just I was about to say something else, but then I remembered the, something that I need to let everyone know. I'm going to be at San Francisco Sketch Fest, January 13th, 4 p.m., Gateway Theater. My guests are Janine Garofalo and musician Matt Nathanson. And because I'm crazy and overcompensating, Jeff, I haven't told you I'm doing this. Um, I've hired a choreographer to come up with a dance for me to perform to my theme song at the beginning. So it's going to be a dance, and then it's going to be the regular, straightforward, professional podcast. <laughs> Tap, clog, or interpretive jazz. I'm not sure. The woman who... uh was the most effusive in her response and by that or the most eager on thumbtack was a former ballet dancer Mm -hmm. but her website shows like expressive modern dance and finding your joy through movement but i own tap shoes if i can find them so i gotta talk to her and find out if she's open to some tap and i don't know if i'm open to some tap but um I don't think ballet would best serve my theme song. I feel like something a little jazzy. I don't know. Like, I want something. I want, like, chorus line dancing. Right. Some Bob Fosse. Yes. Is he available? (laughs) (laughs) I need Bob Fosse. I don't know if he's alive or available, but... I think neither. So we're going to have to summon him. Anyway, all of that's happening. Go to sfsketchfest.com. Okay. Jake Weissman. Hi. Do you know Greg Heller? Yes. He has been telling me about you and saying I should have you on the show for a long time because according to him, either you're having a moment or you're about to have a moment. (laughs) You've been having or about to have a moment for years now. That's cool, bro. That's the way shit goes down. (laughs) Was that Greg? Yeah. 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 That sounded exactly like Greg. It sounded like he was surfing while he said that. (laughs) Good pal. Yeah. Greg hired me um, uh, um, to write on a sketch show for Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, upload? Upload with Shaq season two. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not do a good job, but he's still very nice to me. So I feel like, um, thank you, Greg. Hi, shout out to Greg. How do you know Greg? I know Greg because he hired me to be uh, a talking head on a clip show he was producing for E. He, I guess he found me, um, he found my blog when I was living in New York and sort of became a fan and then kept me in mind for future stuff. So that, what was it? E's... 50 greatest TV moment. It was something. Mm-hmm. 50, it was 50 something. 50 something. And then we kept in touch. And then he wanted to develop something with me. So he wanted to come watch me do the podcast. Judging things I don't know about. The Greg Heller story. <laughs> uh, he wanted to come watch the podcast to get ideas. So he came just to observe. And then I said, I wanted to interview him. If he's gonna, If he's going to be here, he needs to be on mic. And he was so entertaining that he ended up being a part of the show for like, a year or two years. Wow. Yeah. So he was on a lot. My fans know him quite Greg. well. Greg. Greg Heller. Yeah. He is. Um, okay. So corporate. Mm-hmm. New Comedy Central show. Yes. For some reason, I thought it was going to be like a talk show or a sketch show. I didn't realize the scripted show. Yes. Scripted show. I am not interesting enough to host a talk show. Did uh, you try? I, well, uh, they they 
basically i walked in the door at comedy central and they're like you're a tall straight white guy so you can have it if you want and i said no that's <laughs> I okay knew Give that's it to how someone i suspected else. that's and how it said, works don't tell allison uh but <laughs> i don't my allegiance is to you thank you and uh I love scripted stuff. I made sketch for a real long time, and um, it's a very, it's very challenging to do it well. But it's the most fun challenge. And sketch is fun, but again, it it has to be unbelievably great for you to watch sketch. Mm-hmm. Where with scripted, it's just okay, and people are like, "I like a story." Oh, those characters. So you can, fa- it's easier to fail. See, I think that's sort of similar to short stories versus novels. Like, I'm always excited about the idea of reading a bunch of short stories, but then having to get to know new characters every couple pages. Isn't it weird, though? Because I, I read a lot of fiction. That is my main hobby. And what I find weird about, especially in American culture, Americans don't have an attention span. I don't. So it's weird that we don't like short stories, but I think we like the grandiosity of saying, I read that novel that the New York Times liked. I read it. But <laughs> when it's a great short story, you never change your life. No one knows the title of a short story, right. so no one cares. But I think it's that we, kind of to your point, I think that once you familiarize yourself with a character, mm-hmm. you become somewhat yeah. inv- invested. And also, finishing a novel is an incredible feeling. It really it's like is. I conquered that with my yeah. reading ability. That's right. Yeah. I've read one what? since my child has been on this earth, which that seemed like a huge accomplishment. When did you get it done? Uh, like before, like five minutes before you go to sleep every night? That's a good question. Like, when did you... When did, did you I... Did have to I fly think, somewhere? Oh, I know. I would... <laughs> yeah, I, I took a reading trip. Um, no, I would bring the book in with me when I would put him down for naps and things like that. So, he sometimes he was just napping on me and I gotcha. would be reading it. Um, or in the mornings sometimes. I love... I bring... A, a book with me everywhere I go because I know it's making other people feel bad about themselves. Mm. And that is joyous to me. Just they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I should be fucking reading. Fuck. And I love that they feel bad. You have a really dark sense of humor. Kind of yes. dark and nihilistic. How how much is that who you are on Twitter versus who you are? It's hard for me to really sort of judge that correctly. I definitely think it is me, but I know that there have been times over the years where someone like you, not necessarily you, but someone I, I've known through Twitter for years, but I've never met in person, when they've met me and I act the way I act, which is nice, mm-hmm. um, they're like... Except okay, for that book. That, that <laughs> I, I, I'm trying book, to hurt you about the book. Yeah, but, around. but they're like, can I be honest with you? I thought you were going to be really mean to me. <laughs> I thought you were going to like lash out at me immediately and they said they were scared of me before they met me but i like cats like i'm Mm -hmm. like a very like uh silly boy i just literally see the world through a depressed suicidal lens that's just what i see i see sadness i don't know what it is it's like just the whatever it's your filter yeah it's my filter and i just think that's funny like that's what i think is funny i don't think i'm that funny but i think I'm blunt, and this is how I see Mm -hmm. things. Um, It is me, but I also, you know, I like being silly. I just think everyone's in pain. So I just feel like pointing that out is important because when I was younger, 
I lived in the suburbs and everyone was like pretending to be happy, but I knew they were all miserable. Mm-hmm. Like it was just one of those things where it's like behind behind the guise of the house, all of you want to get divorced and you're not talking about it. You're pretending. What town did you grow up in? And I grew up in Westchester, New York. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a lot of people lying about their lives. And I was like, why are we lying? Like that was just always apparent to me. So that's what I try to do with humor. But it does scare some people and it does alienate a lot of people, including people I love. Um. Are they still around or have you driven them off? I drive a lot of people off, but I've kept a few, which is incredible. I've had people say stuff to me like, oh, this is the kind of thing you're going to hate, but, and then describe some sort of like heartfelt, warm thing. Yeah. And I think, what am I putting into the world? Because I love that. I, I'm, I'm actually, a, I too think I'm a, like a pretty warm, nice person. Yeah. I don't know. I actually... I don't know if it's explainable, but when when people even just sort of calling a certain like, like oh your humor is dark and I'm like oh I just thought that was humor like I don't even like I'm not even re- like I I'm not that naive but mm-hmm. to some degree when I look at something comically it's like that's what I find funny about it you right. know sometimes a pun is funny but most of the time I'm like oh. The fact that we care about this, but we're going to die in like the blink of an eye, that's hilarious to me. And people are like, why are you talking about death? And I'm like, <laughs> why aren't you talking about death? Right. It's going to happen like soon. Right. And um, I don't know. I just don't. I think there's just, I probably am mentally ill in a way I don't understand. Probably too much inbred Judaism, um, <laughs> which I'm sure, you know, a lot of people can relate to. And I don't, I think it's just sort of, you're raised with this sort of anxiety. You're kind of like everyone is raised in some sort of cult, mm-hmm. um, like to some degree. And I think mine is just a really negative one. Right. Well, I mean, humor is, this is going to be grandiose. Let's do it. Humor kind of is the, like playing with anxiety. It's like the release and the, the buildup and the release of anxiety. 100%. And what greater anxiety is there than mortality? Yeah, I just think to me, humor is mostly catharsis or like that's the point of it. I, I don't think there is a point. But for me, the point is sort of, wow, everything I do is a lot of stress. <laughs> like everything, even good stuff, even love is just so much stress. It's like, if someone can point out how silly it is that we're stressed because we get like five minutes to be alive, I feel a little better for like a second. And that's great. It's like throwing cold water on like um, an inferno that is your face. How do you feel about mortality? Um. Okay. I like that we're going deep because we, this is awesome, actually. Uh, we we met, should also we met explain, seven minutes ago. I know. We should explain. <laughs> no, I that, love it. <laughs> that you described the show as a combination of, did you say workaholics and office space? No, I would say it's like American Psycho oh, and office okay, space. Okay, good. Because I was yeah. thinking, to go back to what we're saying, I was thinking, but workaholics and office space doesn't quite get it, the darkness here. But American Psycho does. I don't think it's anything like workaholics except yeah. that it's white men in an office. Right. Um, but it's it's definitely, I would say like American Psycho and Office Space kissed a lot. Um, and uh, Also a little bit Mr. Robot yeah. tone and kind visually. of making fun of that. Yeah, but it, mm-hmm. it does look like that. Um, it, it looks cinematically like maybe an FX show or something like that. Right. Um, and it, yeah, explain. Okay, let's talk about the show a little bit. Okay. And then we're going to go into the deep I'll, stuff. I love talking deep stuff. Okay, okay. good. Um, explain uh, what corporate is about. And was it your idea? You and the other lead, right? I created the show with Matt Ingebretson and Pat Bishop. Um, Matt, Pat and I, uh, Pat directed every episode and Matt and I are the, the, the leads. The leads. Um, and there's a bunch of other incredible actors, including actors from Mad Men and The Wire. Um, but... The show is basically about 
um, how corporations are destroying people's lives. And it's also a workplace comedy. So it's a satire of what it's like to work at a big faceless company. I think um, I can sort of explain it in what it's not. Whereas most comedies, even if they're good, like like The Office, let's say, sort of um, show the office environment to be goofy. Mm-hmm. And any day job I've ever had is not goofy. It is just an existential hell where you're just waiting to leave on your drive into work. And so to <laughs> me, to me, the the show that accurately reflects what it's like to work in an office is one about how horrible any job is because even this job, which is great, is still a job and it's still something you have to do and that sucks. And I think... Um, the I also so it's about how horrible your jobs are um in a cathartic way and then also it's about in a more societal political and social way how corporations have won and that corporations basically are the new nations and they won and they're not you can't defeat them especially now with uh dear leader in office and so i feel like it's kind of like a a satire about how corporations always win no matter what and how they're killing um the souls of their employees and also sounds so funny it is though because no no but i I agree it is funny it's hard to describe the show Greg Heller agrees. Um, it's hard to describe the show in a way that makes people be like, I want to watch that. But it is very funny. It's just mostly about the things you're not supposed to talk about. And I think it will be very relatable. And also, it just has a lot of great actors. And it ha- it's packed with jokes. And it looks good. Um, but it's mostly a satire of what it's like to work. Mm-hmm. And also about how adulthood is a nightmare. So that it's basically just about the nightmare of life. But it's funny. Who in it um, was from Mad Men? Is the female Annie lead? Dudek. Yeah, who did she play on Mad Men? She all played of a now um, January Jones. I forget her name in the show, but her neighbor. Right. Yeah. So she was she was on it for a bunch. Um, Lance Betty. Reddick from The Wire and Lost and Fringe, who was just incredible, is on it. Um, yeah, she was Betty's friend. Um, mm-hmm. I forget her name on it. Adam Lustig's incredible. Aparna Nancherlo, one of is the best. Is Adam Lustig alive. the bald guy? Yes. What's he been in? This is fun for the listener. This um, is just Adam, live IMDb. No, um, Adam Lustig. We're very lucky that Adam Lustig is not famous yet because he's so talented. He's really um, good. He's unbelievably funny. He's been in a lot of things. He was like in Casual. Um, he's been in a lot. He's been in bit parts and a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is his first sort of lead or like recurring um, or whatever you call it, a series regular, right. um, which is so lucky for us because he's so much more talented than we are. The show... Um, has a really distinctive visual look. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I would say that it's kind of like a David Fincher movie set in an office. Now, given that I don't work behind the camera, is that does that have to do with how you process? Is that a color thing? Like, well, how do you get that look? It's how you light it. So okay. what we did is we... It's a, it's a few things. It's not just that, obviously, but because um, you can color it and post and stuff, but it is how you light it mainly. Mm-hmm. And we got this... In, we had a very one of our other issues with a lot of comedies is they don't look good and there's a lot of handheld cameras and it's like but it I still want it to look good like it's you're you're making the thing mm-hmm. make it look good if it looks good you believe what's happening yeah, it's got, more. it looks cinematic yeah and so we wanted it to kind of look like Fight Club um, and just so you could feel how oppressive a work environment is and sort of if you work in an office like a, a nine to six job that's kind of like so just redundant basically 
it becomes kind of trippy. Like you're just sort mm-hmm. of like, what am I doing? Like, yeah, in purgatory. This, yeah, it's purgatory. So we wanted to feel like that. And so, and to us is just, we like stuff that looks good. We like like the Coen brothers. They make like some of the best comedies around, but it looks incredible. It looks like a movie. And I think there's no reason comedy can't be a cinematic experience. It, ju- it shouldn't just be like a bunch of people improving. Mm-hmm. It should be, and we were making a satire too. So it has to be very written, has to look very good in order for you to believe it. And that's just what we, we just wanted to make what we like to watch. And there's no reason why comedy doesn't, um, it, it's more attuned to filmmaking, I think, than drama because comedy is so much about the editing and the look. And 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 if so many people forget that and think it's not important, but it totally is. And people love when stuff looks good. And if it feels like a movie, what's better than that? Mm-hmm. So it airs January seventeenth, mm-hmm. but all the first four episodes are available now on Comedy Central on CC dot com or the Comedy or Central the app. app, or it's on demand. So you can on your smart TV you can see it on demand. Um, but if you have cable, it, it, you just you can search it and watch the first four episodes for free right now. Mm-hmm. And you play a character named Jake Levinson. How would you describe him? <laughs> um, he is a very <laughs> nihilistic. Um, basically, uh, Jake Levinson is someone who, when he was young, uh, pursued his anti-capitalist dreams, um, really was like pie in the sky, believed in screwing the system, uh, taking down the system, and then really got smashed by <laughs> life. And just, Oh, I'm remembering that yeah. scene where they find the video of him and his singing in his yeah. punk band. That... I was laughing so hard at that. Yeah. Fuck you, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's basically um, a failed artist who then decided, you know what? All these idealistic things that we're told to have when we grow up are bullshit. The only thing that matters in America is buying in and making as much money as possible. So now he just wants to be as rich and powerful as possible and thinks everyone is full of shit and is is it belies a sensitivity but in general just wants to win and just wants to like climb the ladder as much as possible and how would you describe um matt the other lead and and i don't know him at all in real life so is that what he's like in real life well they're both sort of like us they're both like caricatures of us matt matt's character on the show is a little more naive he's one of those people like a lot of people who just sort of want to do something great with their life but don't know what they want they just sort of want to be successful but have no specific idea of how to get it and find themselves wafting through life and then finding themselves at a job they're kind of stuck in and Mm. then can't get out of um he's kind of like an everyman that sort of he thinks he's unique but has the same bullshit interest that everyone in los Feliz has where he like (laughs) wants to brew his own beer or he he has a vinyl or like he loves coffee a lot brews his own beer yeah yeah, exactly. It's like it's just you're on thin ice, buddy. No, you're on thin ice because I just called you out. But there's there's a lot of like just a lot of people like who are searching for an identity because they feel so hollow right. because of life. And so he's just sort of at the whims of the world, but thinking he's in control the whole time. Um, Did you go to college? Mm-hmm. Where'd you go? I went to Vanderbilt, in Nashville, Tennessee. A lot of this is making me think of the adjustment, which was harder than I expected it to be, to real life after college. Mm-hmm. That thing of like, oh, I had all these ideals. What the fuck am I going to... I guess yeah. I'll stick them up my butt because I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> it's crazy how college is pretty unnecessary. Like it gives you some sort of social education, but does not teach you for life at mm-hmm. all. First of all, no one tells you how to do anything with money. 
Like, how do you deal with money? Like, right. no, what? Like, how, how do you get it? Why are we not taught this when we're fi- That should be the only way. That's the only thing we're taught in a capitalist system is how do you get money? Mm. How do you save it? What do you do with it? No one tells you that. No one tells you really how to look for a job, especially if you get a liberal arts degree. They're all garbage. I actually think. I think. In a capitalist society, a liberal liberal arts education is a nice respite from what it's going to be like afterwards. I just wasn't aware that it's going to like I'm going to be ejected into a world that's so different. Than it does college. feel like you're ejected, or you're like yeah. shot out of a cannon, right? And you're already in debt, and you're stupid, and yeah. everyone's like, everyone thinks you're you don't know how to do anything. Like right. you just don't. Like it's weird because I feel like I don't have kids, but um. I feel like I'd want to like coddle them and not have them do anything, mm-hmm. but that is such a nightmare. That is such a horrible way to raise a child. It's like I still don't know how to cook. I'm a man. Like I don't. I I make a veggie burger every night because I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. Like it's like it's a really like I'm not prepared for life and I don't know how to do it. And I think that's like kind of how almost everyone feels. I remember. Um, I it was probably like a year or two after college or three maybe after college i went um back to i went to pomona colleges in claremont i went back to claremont to visit one of my good friends who was dating um a guy who was still a student so she had a younger boyfriend and he was we were waiting for him to return because he had been up in seattle protesting the uh world world trade organization i think was there a protest WTO? for that? Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure. And I think he had been... A, was that the battle in Seattle? Was that what they made that right. shitty movie about? Okay, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But he had been arrested. But anyway, it was like a big thing. And we were going to make dinner. And we went to Trader Joe's. And we walked into the parking lot. And then a bag slipped out of my friend's hand. And the jar of spaghetti sauce dropped on the ground. Mm-hmm. And everyone just kind of stood there like oh, fuck, what do we do? And I felt so outside of everything because I'm like, you just go in and you tell them, oh, hey, there's a mess out there. And also, could we get a new jar of spaghetti? It was like, but they, I think, had, I forget, maybe they had, had they gone on to further, it was one of those, like, I've been in the real world now for a few years, so this is not a crisis to me, but you guys don't know how to just handle this pretty simple thing. Mm -hmm. It was weird. That sounds so judgmental of me. It is. You know what? Be judgmental. That's okay. Fine. I am judgmental. I'm not going to pretend. It's like this. There's this idea we're not supposed to be judgmental, even though biologically that's how you survive. Maybe what I mean is that sounds so cunty of me. Oh. But I'm, I'm not going to use that word. But if that's your truth, please live it. <laughs> I actually am having. I'm a little bit at odds with that word because I was writing a tweet, uh, a tweet about the episode of my show that just came out recently, and I wanted to use the word cunty in it, and then I'm like. I don't, I feel maybe I shouldn't use that word. And then I did C apostrophe NTY. I'm like, that looks wrong too. And then I just changed it to rude. You know what's such a shame is so many of the words we learn more and more we really shouldn't be using because they're like oppressive um, sound incredible. Yeah. And it's just such a shame. I mean, it's uh, it actually makes sense because the harshest sounding words are the ones using for insults. Right. And that's why they're used. But they just, they're so pleasurable to say. <laughs> Things that end in K and mm-hmm. T. It's right. just, oh, it's so juicy. When you get so alone, juicy. you just yell them out. Yes. When I'm alone, I have full, full-blown full Tourette's, uh, but just out of a, a need to feel good. Right. Well, I have some. I have an idea of something that you could do to get out all that energy that would make you feel better and be better for you. 
you're smirking as if I'm about to go into a, a read or something when really I just want to tell you about Beachbody On Demand because I'm passionate about it. You might be familiar with uh, the Beachbody brand. So uh, P90X, Insanity, a lot of people I did, was it P90X? Um, when I was first dating the my then boyfriend, now husband, he had all the P90X DVDs and he let me borrow them. And I had to lug around all those DVDs, uh, which is how you had to do it in the old days. Well, no more. Now it's a streaming service accessible on your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, or any other web-enabled device. So it's awesome. Um, let's say you have to travel a lot for work. Now you can take your work out with you. It's super duper convenient. Uh, and there's also, so I mentioned a couple of the, the like household name brands that they put out, but there's over 600 different programs, um, including there's, uh, Fixate, which is, a show about meal prep and nutrition and there's a variety of recipes you can access simple but proven eating plans when i was pregnant i did beach body on demand for a bit because let's face it i wasn't that fit when i was pregnant but um i thought this would be a piece of cake they have a program uh it's whatever trimester you're in they have a different program per trimester so i thought this would be super easy put it on i was huffing and puffing and wanted to stop about 10 minutes in but I kept going. That's how hard and how good it is. So no need to go to a gym or schedule a class. Everything's right there on your personal device. You guys need to try this service. Right now, my listeners can get a free trial membership when you text Allison to 303030. You'll get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts and nutrition information free. Just text Allison to 303030. And I meant to also mention they have a program called 21 Day Fix. So let's say you have a wedding coming up or a reunion or something. Thing where you're like, I gotta, I gotta, gotta make a change in 21 days. Um, you can do that, and actually, you could do the whole program within your your tr- free trial membership. I don't know that they want me to tell you that, but I'm just just a little tip, you guys. Okay, back to you yelling words in your car or wherever you have your Tourette's. Uh, usually in my bathroom, in, in bathroom. the shower. Yeah, I know it's not particularly correct to say I have Tourette's, but it does feel like that, where it's like all the rage in the world. I can say all the words I want but call myself those names and it feels totally fine. I know we're joking, but do you actually do this sort of? Yes. You really do? Yes. I often in the bathroom, whatever I'm doing, uh, if I'm showering, I'll just go into a zone where I'll just (laughs) call myself a lot of horrible names I cannot say um, in the world outside because I'm a tall, straight white man. Um, And it feels great. But most people aren't supposed to use those words anymore. Especially not me, okay. which I think is. Do good. you feel oppressed with all your privilege? Not at all. <laughs> Though it is a little stressful to be like, okay, yeah, yeah. I just don't want to hurt anyone because apparently I can hurt a lot of people just by existing, which is totally fair. I get a lot of stuff because I am who I am. I just don't want to hurt anyone, and I just always want to make sure I'm up on the new rules, right? Because I feel like I'm obviously given a huge advantage. Um, but the idea that I'm a destructive force, I always have to remember. It's like, oh, right, I can like hurt people because I am the I was born into this body. Totally fine. It's a really good deal for me, but it's hard to remember sometimes. Like, oh, right, yeah, woo, right. I look like this, even though I feel totally different. How I mean, do you feel? I think, do you feel oppressed ever? Do I feel oppressed ever? As a woman, I'm just asking generally. Um, it's funny. It's taking me a while to answer because I'm really, I'm trying, I'm really trying to. Th- I wouldn't use the word oppressed. 
Um, I think that I, you know, there are things I look back on. Like a friend and I both worked at a magazine, same title, same job. He made a lot more money than I did. I hear that so often. And I'm not in like a position where I can give anyone any money. Like I'm not paying anyone salary. Right. But I hear that so often. I'm like, it just sounds so crazy to me. And I know that that's privilege that I, that sounds crazy to me because yeah. it's so prevalent. But it's like, what are we talking about here? Like, what, how is this happening? Right. Well, I remember I was really upset when I found out. And I ended up going in and talking to my boss, and they, they gave me a raise. But he still was making more. But they brought me up to, like, a more reasonable number. But I remember my friend getting kind of defensive, I think, when he realized, uh-oh. <laughs> I think when he realized, uh-oh, she's now upset, and I probably shouldn't have told – we shouldn't have had this conversation, you know. But he – he said something about like, it's not my fault if I negotiated better than you did. And that's how I always, because I can think of a number of instances like that. Um, and I think instead of feeling like that's fucked up that as a woman, I was paid so much less. I just look at it like, I guess I'm just bad at negotiating. Yeah, well, that's I th- part of the. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's how women often look at it maybe there's a moment happening now where we won't see it that way as much but it's like yeah i had i had been at the magazine for years they hired me at a really low rate and then i had sort of risen through the ranks and got little itty bitty promotions and then he came to so i had this one position you know my title and then he was hired at that title and negotiated better i guess yeah but it it does seem fucked it is fucked, and I, it is part of just the education of the different genders and the expectations, or at least as a guy, you grow up, and even if you are aware of what's going on, you're not. Like, mm-hmm. you just cannot possibly be. And I think just learning as an adult, even just the basic concept that women are taught to, like, apologize for themselves is so structurally huge and so overwhelming and suffocating that I, I just don't get it. It mm-hmm. just seems like oh fuck <laughs> like i get we i wish we could have redone society like right. this just makes no sense just in a basic like if you come from outside the system and looked and looked at it you'd be like is this the twilight zone it doesn't make yeah. any sense but whatever the thing that's confusing about it though is people's salaries aren't necessarily dependent specifically on the position or even the job they're doing so much of it does have to do with how they negotiated or how it was negotiated for them. I just so, mean like being taught to being taught to not question certain things right. versus being taught to be aggressive. Yeah. Oh yeah, so no, we're women are not allowed to be aggressive. No, not, you will pay and I hope you're this is called changing. a C word yeah. if you're if you act like I a man. Y- yeah. Yeah. You will pay if I mean in any sort of financial negotiation, I always feel like I, it makes me it's uncomfortable to ask for what you think you're worth because you're you're also just supposed to say oh thank you for the shitty offer thank you for even yeah, wanting you know i know it's weird you know it's an interesting thing this is a little unrelated but i find like dating right now to be very fascinating for me because i was raised by a mother who said that she's considers herself a feminist but she's like but men better pay for me Hmm. And I, I don't have any feelings either way about that. But that's so I was raised with that. I went to school in the South where that was much more the norm than it was where I grew up. Although I was in high school when I grew up, so whatever. But um now I I never really know what to do because, you know, 
first of all, even the basic fact that women are taught to hate how they look so they have to wear makeup, mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of money. So then paying for a date, theoretically, the guy should pay almost in a way because it's like evening out the date. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. But also the other thing is like, if I go out, I'm I'm just like, I'll offer, but then people have wildly different responses about what is okay. You know what I mean? So people are like, yep, you can always pay. Or like, are you kidding me? No. Um, or we'll split it. We'll, we'll go one, one, then you, then me. And it's like, I don't, I, I, I it's like what I was saying is like, just tell me what the rules are. I want to be a good boy. I don't want to <laughs> hurt anyone. I'll just here and trying to be a decent human being. It's challenging. Right. Because the rules are changing and people are getting more woke. But then a lot of people have different ideas of what that means. It's, it's interesting. Um, have you ever encountered a woman who was upset that you opened the door for her? Because I hear that from time to time. And it's like, I always appreciate someone opening the door or helping me. To me, that's politeness. But I don't know if it was specifically opening the door, but something akin to that. I think there have been some people I've met who are like, what are you doing? What do you think? I can't open the door. It's like, no, I... (laughs) I think it is an interesting time right now. And I'm glad that I'm married. Because, um, so I grew up on the tail end of like, women can ask men out if they want. You don't have, ladies, you don't have to sit around and wait for him to ask you out. So I think that I tried that for a while and it never really works. Like you go, you'll go out with the guy, but if you like him, he's not going to want you to be his girlfriend. It was my experience mm. with that. Um, I think that, oh my God, everything I'm going to say, I feel like especially right now sounds so backwards. Well, I think you're just expressing what it was like to grow up in a certain time. Okay, yeah. It does change every five years kind of drastically. Right. So I think that it is, I have found it to be a little better to sort of let the guy pursue you if it just works out better. It doesn't get as confused because if you're pursuing the guy then if he responds you don't know if he has a genuine interest in you or maybe just wants to hook up or is just like whatever i'll see i don't know i feel and i could be wrong but i feel like if men pursue then they are more likely to actually be interested um now, I imagine someone might be listening to this and it's like, well, what if she just wants to hook up? Yes. If she just wants to hook up, go for it. I'm saying like if you're actually looking to get into some like a, a relationship or like a thing that's more than just hooking up. Um, so anyway, I, I grew up in that. And then my grandmother, who's evil, sent me that book, The Rules. She's dead now. But she was evil while she was alive. And I imagine she's still evil. Um, do you know that book, The Rules? No. Okay. Is it the rules, very time, patriarchal rules? It's the worst book ever. The rules, time-tested secrets for capturing the heart of Mr. Right. It became a punchline for a long time. So it was like, um, you, oh, I wish I could, you are a mysterious creature unlike any other. And it was basically like, you know, sure, you're a career woman. And of course you think that you can ask a man out and you can split 
you know, the bill at a restaurant or you can even pay. But let me ask you this. How's that working for you? It was so insidious and it got into your head. And it's like the rules are never accept a weekend date. It's so offensive to any intelligent person. Never accept a weekend date after Wednesday. Put an egg timer by your phone and don't stay on the phone for more than three minutes. Never call a guy. Barely even call him back. It was like insane the level of 50s style advice it was dispensing. Um, And then it was like, we know this sounds insane, but just wait till that ring is on your finger. And then it's like the appendix, the rules after marriage. (laughs) Oh, if he doesn't give you a romantic gift by this time, like get out. It's so fucking insane. But I feel like that was the beginning of a shift away from the like women wear shoulder pads and ask men's men out, ask men's out, women ask men's out. So then there was this swing to like, let the guy pursue, you know, et cetera, more sort of traditional gender roles, just in, just in the actual courtship. Um, but then now I think I wonder what's going to happen because by the way, this is an interview show. I've been talking nonstop love for what feels People like 15 minutes. People are going to be riveted by nope. this. No. Maybe they will. I think they're going to love it. It's great. I'm riveted. Okay. Yeah. You're too nice. No, You're too nice. I'm into it. I'm, wrap- I'm wrapping up the, the Allison portion. Um, anyway, I think right now I've heard men say like, is it, am I allowed to hug? I don't know what to do. And I think that, and I've also seen people say stuff like, Men sh- shouldn't even ask a woman out. I mean, that's ridiculous. So I, I just, I just wonder what's going to happen. I think it might be a, a shift back to men being more passive again. Men, men who are worried about, oh, can I not hug or can I ask one out? Oh my god, are fucking cowards. Like, just, just be nice, yeah. and honest. Like in terms of uh, men pursuing or women pursuing. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that if a man pursues, he wants a relationship more. I, I, he might just want to have sex. Who knows? It really right. depends. But to me, people need to be very upfront about what they want. Do not lie to get anything. It is such a short time that it hurts people. Mm-hmm. If you want to have sex before anything happens, be like, actually, I'm just looking for sex. If you're looking for a relationship, just say it. Just tell each other. It's fine. If but I would be the girl who's like. <laughs> Why is he saying he just wants to have sex when he's clearly so into me? But at least he was honest. <laughs> but at least he was honest. So at least at least we're treat- teaching men how to be honest. That is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, that's I mean, true. listen, we're life is a nightmare. Like, there's no, it's mm-hmm. never going to be good or that. It's never going to be that harmonious. But if people are honest, women don't. I don't think women hate if you respectfully ask them out. I, I like. I mean, maybe some people do, but whatever. I think most people are like, oh, okay, no, but right. thank you. Like, just do it in a nice, non-awkward way. Just just be upfront. Like, read the cues. It's not that hard. And I think... Right. I think... Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just think there's like so much weird shame built into the American culture of sex and dating from such a young age. And there's such a bizarre religious... Um, right. like mist hanging over everything it's like we're here on earth we're attracted to each other it's fine like just be nice and honest i i just don't think it's that complicated it is inherently complicated and always gets weird but if you if you're honest you you it's hard for you to lose mm-hmm. i think for the most part right now this movement where men are losing their jobs because they've been horrendous sexual harassers or maybe some are losing their jobs who haven't been too like it's you know, it's on such a big scale. I don't know. Um, 
but this, I think what's happening is a lot of predators are being flushed out and everyone is witnessing it and nice guys are internalizing it and taking it in and being like, well, shit, have I made someone feel like, which I think is good. I think everyone, it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, and so I, yeah. And so all of a sudden, but, but I think, I think it's good that everyone checks themselves at the same time. I think that there are, there's a certain swath of nice guys where this doesn't apply to you. We're talking about predators. I really need to shut. I feel like I'm going to get so many angry tweets from people who are like, because I feel like people are going to think that I'm saying that, um, don't worry about this men. We're only talking about this kind of thing. Like that. I'm going against the movement when I'm not, I fully applaud what's going on. I, I, I'm not, I'm not hearing it that way. I mean, first of all, you're hearing it through your privileged ears. (laughs) I think it's such a, interesting time it's a totally groundbreaking time i don't think anyone knows what the fuck is going on i think there's just like a hurricane going on and i think there's a sense that it's good it's obviously a little messy but that's kind of the only way it can be i guess yeah uh, it's a pendulum swinging and also just like there's such a crazy horrible power dynamic at play the only way to deal with it is to just kind of go nuts on it. It's to essentially riot against it. Right. And so, yeah, it's not perfect, but there is no... People have tried the perfect way and that didn't work. And so now it's just interesting. And I think that the best men shouldn't be complaining about what's going on right now. I mean, obviously it's not going to be perfect, but men have been taking advantage of it for so long that it's like men weren't perfect. So mm-hmm. why do women have to be? Right. And so I think it's just... It's weird because no one knows what's going on, but like... It undeniably it's interesting mm-hmm. and it it's at least some sort of step forward and uh that's probably good and i think the best men just would be like would just shut up right now and listen there yeah. is nothing they have to say like yes some people maybe are innocent but most aren't and if this makes more people act decently then i think it's a win mm-hmm. i think have you seen because it's been a little bit eye-opening to me. Like, I've always known this stuff goes on, but I don't think I... I think I've been a little bit naive as to the degree. Um, is this a surprise to you? I mean, I think if you're not a woman, it has to be a surprise, only in the sense of, like... This is a terrible analogy, so forgive me. But, like, when you hear about how painful childbirth is, you're like... Sounds pretty painful. And I just, I could try to imagine how mm-hmm. painful it is. I've been in a lot of pain before, but I don't know. Like, right, I, I've never experienced that. That sounds yeah. pretty intense. So to pretend I do would be kind of offensive. And I think it's kind of like that, where it's like, I, I, mo- most, I, I assume most straight men don't have any sexual, sexual interest in me. They're not treating me like that. So I, it seems pretty awful. To me, it's like, it's kind of like racism where it's like if everyone of a certain race is saying shit's fucked up, shit's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And almost every woman I know is like shit's fucked up. So it's like, well, w- why would I say it's not? Like that's so that would be so weird. Like right. that doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, it sounds really awful. I just can't relate because people kind of as a joke when I said they offered me a um a, a talk show I think there's so many things that have happened to me that maybe I could assume is my hard work, but all, but probably is because it's easier for me. Like what? Getting a TV show. Like, I think that it's great, and I think that I work hard, and I think I have talent, and I think I'm a nice person, but 
I mean, it has to be easier for me. If most shows are by men, Mm -hmm. then that's what people think entertainment is and who it should be by because that's what they've always been told. So it has to be easier. But I can't see that. All I can see is the fact that I worked at a chandelier store for three years and did a million open mics and wanted to die and didn't have any money and then got this miracle. But in the end, there's probably people as talented and hardworking who didn't get the opportunity because they don't look like me. I don't know, but I've been told that enough to where I'd have to believe it. And what's the problem with believing it? It's not going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. This isn't funny at all. (laughs) But I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. I think you just... I think what is, in a more macro sense, interesting to me is because the the structures of society are so ingrained in a way that legally is hard to change, but also in a cult-like way, people think that... Like, even when, when there's, like, women who... Are like I'm not a feminist. It's this cult. Ugh. It's a, but it's a cult because you, you're raised in a thing and you can't. Or like certain religions, like every religion, is like <laughs> is just like they're all cults. And so it takes a very long time, even for smart people, to even be aware they're in some sort of cult, which is really just any scent, any sort of weird uh, bunch of beliefs. And I think that. Um, I think re- so. There's so many issues working against the current working in favor of the current power dynamic that all you can really do is just be aware. So really all we're calling for is we're never going to get to an ideal situation in America, especially because there's too many voices, but um, we can be aware. And I think we can slowly drift towards a better world long after we're dead, but still (laughs) um, uh, I think that's all you can really hope for is like, Oh, right. That is messed up. Maybe don't, do that but that's it i mean i i can't imagine things will change that much because Mm -hmm. people are bad i guess they are well people are people oh my god let's just let's just do platitudes and tautologies (laughs) that's my new podcast yeah (laughs) platitudes and tautologies um do you think people are bad well, obviously, the word bad is so subjective. Um, good and bad is a thing that is taught to us at a young age, which is so ridiculous. The idea that there is good or bad is pretty silly. Um, you don't but, think that killing is bad? I mean, if someone was trying to kill you and I killed them to stop, maybe not. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? I see like, what you're saying. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like, is killing an animal bad? Do you th- no, sorry. Do you think inflicting pain is bad? Because well, I think that's inherently bad. Sure, but some people are into S and M. Like, I like. Well, I feel like you're finding the exceptions, though. I guess. I what, guess. Yeah. No. I but, guess what I mean is like I'm not. I'm not trying to be transgress or contrarian here, but I think that there's enough people. Yeah. Obviously, causing pain is bad, but like, I guess what I object to is the religious idea of good and evil because that's mm-hmm. so fucking weird to me. Yeah. And so many evil people, quote unquote evil people, have been thought of as good. And that's and they were that's why they're allowed to do evil shit. So I right. just like, yeah, obviously hurt if I hit you in the arm right now, that would be really bad, you know? So but also like Yeah, I guess you're right. No, there's good and bad. Okay, you convinced me. <laughs> um but I but Well that's I, my own because I I'm not religious at all. Yeah. But that's my own and, and I remember years ago. I'm going to finish one of these sentences. Years ago, getting into a long debate with a friend of mine who was uh, religious and at the time I think was Catholic and he, and and believe he he's since changed his he's like Buddhist now. But um, 
very, I think he was sort of upset at the idea that I didn't believe in God. And it's like, well, if you don't have that, where, how, you know, if the fear of, if you don't have that fear of heaven and hell, like what's to sort of keep you from doing bad things? And to me, it it was such a curious question because it's like, it's just internal. Yeah, what I are you just, talking about? I was raised I okay. A, and- yeah, I just have a sense of, how to well, be a decent person versus not, and I don't want to hurt anyone. Well, it's that thing that people argue. It's like, well, religious people donate more money than non-religious people, and then there's all these studies that say that's bullshit, or it's definitely true. And it's like, no, that I, I'm not. I'm a nice person. To me, it's mostly don't do stuff to other people that you wouldn't be okay right. with happening to yourself. But there, obviously, there's good. It's not as uh, black and white as I was saying. With like, obviously, if I hit you, that's bad. But. There's also people who like to get into fights. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just like a weird subjectivity or like the fact that s- some people who seem like good people think gay people are bad because a book tells them that. Now, they might be, they might help homeless people uh, every just day. Just homeless people, but they, Yeah, but they, but they think that gay people are bad and, and should suffer in hell. And it's like this thing where you're like, well, then what is good or bad? It right. is inherently subjective. Of course, there's some things you shouldn't do, but... Uh, it's so complicated. It just like it doesn't. I I think the teaching of things as binary is just so bad for society. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I'm not a teacher. I don't know what works, and I don't know how you get your kid to stop doing something. So it's it's hard to figure out. This is all, these are all the reasons I think about death all the time because it just sounds relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> They're so stressful to be alive. There's all these questions. All for what? We're not going anywhere. To get super macro about it. it. And we're not even stoned. Or I'm not, at least. Um, I'm on heroin. Okay. But I'm fine. <laughs> I've been huffing Brasso in the bathroom while you guys were talking. But that's, just, wow, that's how you brew beer. Yeah. You're so discreet about it. <laughs> Thank you. If you saw a bunch of animals, like let's say a bunch of lions, a pride, and one attacked the other, you wouldn't think that's bad. It's just what they do. And in I mean we are animals. At the same time though, but but, hum, but but we're we're animals, but also we have the ability to empathize and to control our behavior. We have self-control. A lot of us do, some of us don't. It, I True. think what's fascinating, so much of what I find fascinating about um the construct of society is the um, denial of the fact that we're animals. And that's part, one of the other problems with religion is that they're saying we're not animals. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we are. Right. Uh, that's what we want. That's what we're doing. And uh, part of what the show's about is sort of the philosophical idea that we were taken out of the woods and then we built, then like we built some buildings and there was agriculture. And it's like, okay, spend your life in an office. But we're animals. Our backs hurt. We're not supposed to sit in these chairs, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And it's like, wait, what am I doing? I'm like a beast and now I'm in an office typing. It doesn't make any sense. And um, I think that's what, when I say there's no good or evil, I think that's wrong, but there, what we were taught was good and evil is just insane, mm-hmm. and it's so reductive. And unfortunately, um, people will take the idea there's no good or evil, and they'll be alt right. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> right. whereas really, what you should be doing is like everyone chill out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everyone's trying their best. Calm down. You yeah. know what I mean? Let's be a forgiving society. But everything and everything in society that you can take good ends up being used to kill a certain type of person. Well, if I could paraphrase what you're saying and uh, reduce what you're saying, it sounds, (laughs) it sounds like what you're saying is there's no good and evil. So let's be less judgmental, even though you're 
you take, embrace your judgment. Well, secretly in right. my shower, yeah, I'm very judgmental. Right. <laughs> so there's so let's be kinder to each other. I mean, because to me, there's no heaven or hell. This is it. Right. This is heaven and or hell. This yeah. is the thing you get. Um, so let's just really relax because you're not going anywhere. This is it. Enjoy the fuck out of yourself. But also, like, don't hurt anyone if yeah. you can avoid it. Once you get old enough to learn, oh, I can hurt people with my words and actions. You got to stop that. And just be like, just have a good time, like, as much as you can. Mm-hmm. It sucks and you know you're dying and it's a nightmare. But... You can't have a good time. Nothing is that big a deal. Right. Because you're dust. You're you're an animal and you're dust. You're made from stars. It's the silliest thing ever. Are you able... Do do you effectively uh, not get bent out of shape over stuff because you can hold that in your mind? Because I'll have moments where I'm fully feel that way. And then I'll be like really upset over the dumbest thing. Oh. I am a very depressed person. Yeah, I can't hold this in my... I mean, I can. At certain moments, I can. But the problem with that kind of line of thinking is you're like, just jump off the bridge. You know what I mean? Like, It's like... it's It it can be like, wow, this is amazing. I'm alive. Holy shit. This is great. But then it can be like, okay, I don't want to um, clean my room, so I will just kill myself instead. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the other uh, line of nihilism. I have had... We are talking about... or, Or... I believe we are talking about potentially taking our your own life in a <laughs> philosophical sort of yes. metaphorical way, mm-hmm. not really. My uh, I want to make yeah, I want to make that clear. My show's coming out. I'm excited. I'm just talking about these are things I think about. Yeah, because I've had the thought. Let's say you're at like the most fun party. So it's why at the not Copacabana? <laughs> <laughs> or a fun party like why not leave when you're having fun like you left on a high note 100%. and if as opposed to waiting till like someone wants you to help them clean or do the dishes or it gets sad or something bad happens and if if that's your way of thinking about parties which by the way it's not mine so it's weird that i had this thought at one point like usually i'm like this is fun let's keep it going but if that's your way of thinking about parties, like why would you not look at life that way? Uh, that was a pre-kid thought, though, because now everything's different, and it's like my whole thing is like I just got to stick around long enough to raise him and make sure he's fine without but me. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, I also it gets weird when bands break up or sports figures retire and then they come back, and it's like, what are you doing, man? Like you, were, <laughs> you, you, you. The prime is yeah. always when you should go out. I think the reason why people don't think that. Why, I mean, because some people do think that. Or like the Who song, I Hope I Die Before I Get mm-hmm. Old. You know what I mean? There is something amazing about that. But I think biologically what's working against us is just the need to survive. Like yes. that's all sur- all life is, is just survive, survive, survive. Procreate maybe, but survive. Right. And so I think that's working against you. Um, but yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like to me, uh, my, my friend Matt is on the show. He uh, he said the most like he's will only be with someone who promises to kill him when he's 70. You know what I mean? Just to be like, it's getting bad. Please take me out. I had a great life. You know, oh God, that's if you love gonna me. going to creep up on him so much faster I than know, he's expecting. I know. But that's the issue. And he'll be like, I want five more years. And then he'll develop a terrible disease. And then he'll have to live that. <laughs> yeah. And then he can't. Uh, it's a shame. I mean, I life's th- weird. I think about the people that um, are convicted of some crime or sentenced and then kill themselves because they don't want to deal with, you know, or or like they've committed some kind of crime and maybe they know that they're about to be caught. So they kill themselves. If you had to, if you got caught 
for embezzling. And I know that you embezzle, but you haven't I'm gotten a caught classic yet. You're, an ama- you're really good at it. Thank you. But so that's like, let's say that's like a three or four year sentence. Now, I guess you have a son, so it's different. But would you, what would you think about? Like, you don't want to go to jail. I don't, but I also don't want to kill myself. I think that I, this is what I was thinking. No matter what, I don't think I would kill myself because I'm actually too much of a Pollyanna. And I'm like, somehow I'll skate out of this. It'll work out. Like I need, I have that need to see another day Mm -hmm. too strongly. I think that's awesome. I think that's most people. I agree. Yeah, I think that's most people. Yeah. I mean, of course it's most people. Right. Because most people don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But it's less and less people, it seems like, every year. Especially in America, I is think it? I think the rate of this this is a very dark podcast. It really is, but I I, I like it. Um, I hope your listeners do. But um, uh, I do think the suicide rate goes up mm. uh, at least recently, especially amongst younger people, twenty it's to awful. thirty year olds. Uh, in recent years, I do believe that it is rising. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I read that from a fake news source. Who knows? Did you read it on Facebook? probably (laughs) okay we've talked about a lot of stuff and uh are you feeling okay about the conversation i'm feeling okay it's interesting because there's extra pressure on the january 1st episode you know because it's like this is going to set the tone for the year and maybe my podcast is morphing into just like super deep discussions and also things that i say that might offend people i'm worried that i've offended people they'll be listening to this hungover that's right. So they'll really be content. Maybe what'll happen is they'll be hungover. They'll listen to this. It'll be about talk about life, wh- whether it's worth it. It's real life affirming. And I'm going stop to announce drinking. Yeah. And so you will help. Pe- we will help people lead their- better lives, be better partners, mm. better parents. They'll stop driving intoxicated. We're yeah. saving people's lives right now. We are doing important work here. We're good. Important work like at you at the chandelier store. But do you worry about on podcasts like because you, you're just giving your opinion. You try to be well informed, but you're like people are listening to you and mm. taking what you're saying to heart and like words can hurt people. That must be stressful. Um, It's not it's not stressful, but it's always a sad surprise when I find out that someone took offense to something I said. And mm-hmm. occasionally people will take offense to something I say and I, my reaction is like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. But because it's something stupid and it's like, I'm sorry you are offended that I am not in love with Trump because that's been a, just a, a right. stream recently. I can't of, believe you're not in love with Trump. <laughs> they, don't, they don't put it that way, but, <laughs> or guns, or I mean, they don't put it that way, but I, you know, I think there's people who can't handle the fact that we had different political views. Um, and I appreciate that they hung on this long. I don't talk about politics that often, but I am liberal. Um, and, or if the way they take offense is like some shitty way, but if someone genuinely felt hurt about something I said, or it felt sucks. hurt by something. I said, it yeah, sucks. it totally sucks. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't... In, it wasn't my intention. You're so lucky that you're a good enough person that that sucks for you. Because some people don't have that. They're like, I don't care. Yeah. But you're lucky you care. I mean, it might hurt you, mm-hmm. but that's so much better to be that way. I can't even imagine not caring. My I dream can't... is to be a sociopath. I was going to say, that's a sociopath. But that's a beautiful way to live. <sighs> Do you really wish you didn't have a conscience? I mean, maybe not really, but how incredible it would be to not feel bad. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine so that. So many actions I have. Yeah. If I'm being nice to someone, um, 
I will apologize. I'll I'll just start and end with an apology, right. which is maybe um how some people would regard how a lot a lot of people told me like a lot of women act the way I act uh-huh. like but I've always done this I'm like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I love you and I'm sorry like it's like a lot of that that's just how I feel everything is so full of anxiety to me and that's just whatever it is that that is who I am and if I were just like here you go and then have another thought about it I think it would be easier to live it would hurt more people but I wouldn't care right yeah I was thinking this time of year is just one a series of oh fuck Fuck, I forgot to do that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, that... Oh, I I hope that person isn't upset. I hope they aren't hurt. I hope they aren't this. And it's just stuff like, oh, shit, someone emailed me to to book me on their podcast. I didn't get back to them. I hope they don't take that personally. It's just that I forgot. And it's like a lot of, of worrying that I've accidentally offended or hurt someone. And I think that not everyone is besieged with it to that degree. I, Sounds I, like you are. Um... I definitely relate to what you're saying. I think the other thing about good and evil, the other thing that needs to be eliminated, and I think what needs to be injected into culture in its place is the concept of you're not really in control of your brain. And you can it's an illusion that you are because like if I move my hand, my brain thought of it before I was aware I thought of it, mm-hmm. right? So everyone's trying their best. You're, if you have a good brain, it's like you got a good computer. You're lucky you got a good brain. And I think that's never talked about how lucky you are to be a good person. Like, right. That's it's not a never choice, talked really. about. It, it's impossible to say it is a choice. And you're very – even if you can, like, work hard, you're lucky to be able to work hard. Okay. Well, so you have – thank you. So I think that pe- that needs to be taught to people. It's like you're trying your best. Or if you don't get back to the email, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I really didn't want to hurt you. I – I am trying my best. You have um, a brain that is, I can tell that it's very easy for you to look at all the facets of something. It's very macro and micro. And to potentially equivocate, do you have trouble getting mad at someone? Because I, I mean, staying mad. Because I could imagine you can easily talk yourself out of it. Um, I think that, uh, I think because I was raised... One of my parents, I won't say which one, had a temper. And I think I've had to learn sometimes, oh, like, oh, that's in me. Like, that's just how I was taught. So I think one of one of my big challenges of my 20s was, like, a temper. Um, but, yeah, it's hard for me to stay mad at someone if they apologize for the most part. Because then it's like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you're sorry, then... That's the funny thing about adulthood, too. It's like, you could do a horrible thing, but if you say sorry and they don't accept, they're the bad person. Which <laughs> right. is why I don't understand why people don't apologize. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. It's so funny to me. It's like, you could be the worst person ever. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And if you're a convincing actor, they're evil. And I <laughs> love that about adulthood. Is everyone's like, oh, yeah, you all right. You are trying your best. So, right. okay. I think that's the funniest thing. Is just say sorry. You could murder someone, and uh, if, and you say sorry to the family, and if they don't accept that apology, they're the monsters. Right. I think that's like the get funniest over thing. it. It's like they're come on, I said sorry. Um, but yeah, I think it's hard to stay mad at someone if you intellectually think about it. I think it's a challenge for me because I that feral part of me wants to be like, there's good and bad, but then really I know like everyone's an idiot. So where does all of your uh, guilt and anxiety come from? Do you think? I truly think it's Judaism. I like really think just being raised in a very Jewish household and just just the negativity that comes with that. The nurture, mm-hmm. like you're nurtured through the idea that the world is bad is um that's just who I am. I think it's a genetic thing. What do you, what do you what do you think? I mean, you're not the same as me, but 
No. Um, but so I have a weird, uh, relationship with Judaism in that, and this is going to sound ridiculous to you and hard to believe. I'm excited. Yeah. And the the listeners are, so many of the listeners already know, so I'm not going to belabor it. But uh, I didn't know I was Jewish until I was in my early 20s. My last name is Rosen. I look Jewish. Relatives have died in the Holocaust. It makes no sense at all. However, I I believed that my parents would never lie to me. So they told me me that we weren't Jewish. It was my dad. My dad told me we weren't Jewish. And so I just believed him. And the explanations, because as I got older, I had more questions and the explanations got more and more far-fetched and it didn't make sense. And then, um, but I just like, that's the strength of how much I believed he would never lie to me. So I think that finding out that actually I was Jewish, um, it's just the fact that they lied to me. That's what I'm upset about. Yeah. So it's it's a much longer story. Yeah, it's really complicated. Much longer story. But I was not aware I was growing up in a Jewish household. So, and I wasn't growing up in like an outwardly Jewish household. But what you're saying about is just Judaism. It's like, yeah, there. that's in my family. Even though it, it's, it, 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 it would suggest that it is very deeply ingrained. It is. Almost biological. It's DNA. Yeah, After because while, it's in that kind of that family. That shit is in my f- family so strongly too that like the family is safe. Everyone outside the family not safe. It's how you learn. It's whether it's it's just a culture and it's based in the idea of being nomads forever mm-hmm. and like no one wants you anywhere and everyone's always yelling you or trying to kill you and the paranoia. Yeah, paranoia and just sort of inbreeding. Right. <laughs> I just genuinely think that leads to a little bit of mental illness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of wonderful things that it leads to as well that I'm very thankful for. But I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not. Uh, some people would be upset at me for saying this, but that's what I believe it comes right. from, is just being raised with like a gen- a genuine paranoia about outsiders. Well, here's a Jew question. I was doing a podcast this morning. Uh, a Jew Q. <laughs> a Jew Q, yeah. I was like, what? There's got to be something. <laughs> with Greg Fitzsimmons, um, which will air after this comes out, because his is going to air on... Uh, I was on his show, January 6th. But anyway, I was talking a little bit about having experienced postpartum depression. And um, and I said, I, I know it sounds like, it almost sounds like a joke, but my mind would just go to the Holocaust often. And he's like, that was your default. He's like, but isn't that all Jews? I'm like, I don't know. Is it? Like, is that, when you're feeling real blue, does your mind wander to that? Not really, but I'm, I mean... I was born in 1983. So, I mean, for some Jews, when I was born, yes. I, I think the the self-victimization is there, mm-hmm. maybe, um, to some degree. I think it's more just apocalyptic feelings. But, yeah, right. I think for generations of Jews, especially ones that came, like my parents, I think it's much more normal. And mm-hmm. I think it gets brought up constantly. Every Jewish comedian talks about Hitler. I do. Like, it's just right. like, it's just such a part of... You're raised. That's like the stories that are told that I do. I do think my generation cares less. It's more my brain goes to just like the just the cruelty and that idea of an innocent, trusting person being mistreated by a by someone in um a position of authority. Yeah, well, also, I mean, you just had a baby. So yeah. you're like, oh, I, I'm sure. I mean, Right, I- and I started wondering, like, what happened to 
uh, babies born in the Holocaust, what happened to pregnant women, and just that that level of vulnerability, I think. And I would, you know, like our whole lives, because we did IVF, and like our whole lives are oriented around protecting and raising this one life. And yet, had had we been born at a different time, this life would be disposable. Like that's crazy to that's me. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and also just. I mean, the turbulence of the world right now, how could you not be nervous right. that something's happening? Right. Um, but, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like, bad stuff is going to happen. The world's going to be pretty bad. There'll be some wonderful things, and your son will probably have an incredible life. He lives in one of the best cities in the world, you know, that's pretty safe for the most part, mm-hmm. besides earthquakes and fires. But, um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's all just in how you look at a thing. Um, where it's like, I'm like I was saying, my lens just has a certain tint to it, and uh, uh, postpartum seems like a nightmare. Um, but luckily, <laughs> I'm better now. Luckily, you. you can recover from that usually, as far as I understand, and you seems like you have. Yeah. So it's sometimes, sometimes I mean, that's one of the other weird things about life. Sometimes it's really good to have horrible experiences to just be like, oh right. I love my husband. <laughs> like, like, oh, like there's some good shit going on. And I, I, I like I went through, uh, I had back surgery um, where it's spinal fusion. Such a nightmare. Oh, reflected the, in your show as well. Yeah. The worst experience ever. Mm. But it's like I, nothing has come close to that pain again. So mm-hmm. nothing's really like what gets me through my insomnia or headaches or whatever. It's like, but it wasn't that. So, you know, like all you can do is sort of try to refract pain into light that's all you can do that's beautiful it's poetic did you always want to be in showbiz no uh but i did i i went to college to get an english degree i specifically wanted to write um novels but i can't write novels and uh i ended up taking just for fun a film class when i was ju- in junior and i loved it and i was like oh i like entertain i like this kind of writing that's not necessarily important yeah i I, yeah exactly i like entertainment that you can kind of throw away and um i came out here sort of with the idea of like directing or writing but not having a clue how i was gonna do it and so i've wanted it since i was in college but i didn't really know what that meant i don't think anyone knows what it means Mm -hmm. until you start working and realize how hard it is to do and like do i want this because it is my whole life and it is you have to sacrifice a lot for it but yeah i think i but actually i think from a young age i've been so obsessed with pop culture and so obsessed with creativity that i probably did want it i just wasn't aware of it and also i'm one of those people who didn't think it was possible it just seems the myth of someone being on tv or a screen mm-hmm. and once you work with these people you're like they're just fucking idiots you know they're just older people who are sad you know what i mean like that's all people who are successful are and um i didn't realize that and i think podcasts now are um taking away the mystical part of show business which i think is good um but i didn't know it was possible i didn't know i was smart enough to do it and i i didn't i didn't know that at all and so i kind of learned that as i got out here that's so wait what did you say successful people are just older people who are sad that's so true. Yeah. I'm trying to think of one Meet one of your in, successful it, person who seems happy. Well, yeah, because especially success is this thing you have to maintain, and yeah. it's just fucking exhausting. And it's like creativity is just so hard to to keep constant. And like, 
it's also like success is like this incredible drug that you can never recapture um and you're commodifying yourself which mm-hmm. is scary and fucking weird and um being a public figure is such a devil's agreement and so it's like yeah but what else are you gonna do there's nothing else to do we're not good at anything else so well, it's like this is i'm not the successful I'm not the level of successful person we are talking about. That being said, in my own little way, I forget what year, but like 2015, 2016, I was on some year endless. Nothing this year. Yeah, thank you. But it's like, right. but, but, but it makes feel me bad. feel yeah. like, oh no, I'm losing it. You're I'm losing it. I had, yeah. But meanwhile, totally. you're doing great. You have people who listen to you. If you could, if, if you knew 10 years ago that you were doing this, you're like, this is what I do. I'm in yeah. my living room. I know. Like this is, I am killing it. I have a beautiful son. Like, oh my God. But that's the thing is we're just by entering into this city and pursuing whatever the hell we're pursuing. Um, you just become mentally ill. <laughs> I do have that sort of liberating thought, which is, and by the way, this nose, this nose, this sneeze is still stuck in my face. But I have a liberating thought periodically. Like when I'm on my deathbed, the fact that my Instagram number dipped up and down a tiny bit or whatever it is, like it's going to be the least of my worries and I'll regret that I spent time caring about it. I know. By the way, because my Instagram number was an issue to me for a while. I don't care about that anymore. But even the year end list type minutia. Which all has yeah. to do with external validation. And it's also like, what is a list? It's just one person, one biased person right. being like, all right, I'll just put them at 17. Yeah. And this person at two. I mean, it's like, like, it's also like you just look at year of endless, like, and the movies that are on it, and you just know some of them are the worst things ever. And you're like, but it's on a list. <laughs> but like, uh, it's like, there's no justice I know. in the world. I've worked at magazines. I know how it yeah, works. Yeah, <laughs> it's just horseshit. There's PR involved. It's all so silly. Um, but yeah, I mean, but again, I think by working in this industry, you're like, but that's better than working a horrible day job, which my show's about. So, so yeah, know. what day what day jobs are you, what experience in day jobs are you drawing from? Um, I worked a decent amount in the industry. I, I was an assistant here. I've been a PA. I worked at a chandelier store for a while. I've had a lot of little jobs. What chandelier store was this? I will tell you after the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, but because uh, I've talked about it so much. Um, it's not. I don't have anything really negative to say, but I should not publicize it. I just. It's just more the just the feelings I've had at jobs when it wasn't exactly what I wanted yeah. to do. You know what I mean? That's more what so it is. It doesn't so. really matter what the job is. I mean, it, a corporation lends itself to a certain type of whatever, but I think it's more just you're alive. You're taught you can follow your dreams. You're taught that America is the land of opportunity, and you can you can go to the amazing city of California and. Do whatever and get gold. Like I love the um, metaphor. I love the completely accurate metaphor of like getting a move, becoming famous entertainment. Now is like mining for gold in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. It's like so perfect. It's and they come out here and it's crazy. Anyway, but I think that it's just the idea. If you're ever doing something you don't want to do, or like when you're an assistant to someone at a job, even in entertainment, and they're treating you so poorly, and you're not making any money, and you're like helping someone else's vision and not yourself. When you know you're creative, but then your job is so bad and it's so many hours and you're eating just to feel better about yourself and you're 
don't like how you look and you don't and you go home and you just sleep and you're not writing it's just that feeling of like i'm wasting my life Mm. like i'm statistically impossible that i'm alive i was in my dad's penis and now and then i got to the egg which is crazy made it to full term that's insane my mom didn't drown me that's crazy and now i'm alive i got the chance to be alive on this crazy rock in the universe and i'm assisting some asshole it's like that feeling (laughs) is more what i'm drawing from than the corporation the guy one of the guys i created the show with did work at a few corporations that were just horrible Mm -hmm. um and it's just this inanity and like it's just shit rolling downhill but in general it's just that feeling you have even the feeling you had when you weren't being paid enough just like what the fuck Life is so unfair. Mm-hmm. What happened? That's kind of what we're all drawing from. I think we're not trying to do situational comedy. It's more just philosophical comedy that just happens to be very funny is more what I like. Mm-hmm. Let's see if let's see what kind of questions rolled in for you. When we ask, we send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for Greg Heller would like to know, I'm curious how Jake got his first writing job in television. It's so hard to get your first break. Someone has to believe in you and be smart enough to recognize your talent. Well, Greg, we have already answered this question. We already talked about you, so don't worry. We're talking about you, and we talked about how you gave us both breaks. That being said, I was... Uh, let go after five weeks. I wasn't doing a good job. Oh, really? So, Greg, you didn't love what I did. We have stayed friends, and you were right to let me go. But you did give me a break, but then you cut the cord real fast. So let's just remember that, Greg. I'm a dick. What uh, What happened five weeks in? No, I just... Uh, he, he, I wasn't, like, fired. I was just like... Was it blind submissions? Do you know? I think... I think I had... there. He had hired uh, a bunch of other comedians that I knew, and b- through doing stand up, you can like be vouched for. So I think I ha- there was some vouching, but I think I had to submit stuff as well. Mm. And I think he took a chance on me, and I didn't okay job. It was my first writing job. I was just okay, um, and I was just one of the first people to not be needed. But I wasn't fired. Oh, Again, I see. Greg, you were totally right, but let's not forget. So you weren't fired. You just like weren't asked back. I, I just what. I was given the minimum amount of time I could have been given, which was completely correct. I got a lot better since then. Your first job is hard. What did you do after that? Oh, God. That was a tough time. I, like, bounced around doing weird... Because I left the chandelier store, and then I just did weird little jobs, all sorts of weird little, like, week-long jobs or month-long jobs or... Because Uber wasn't happening then. I got little writing jobs here and there, but barely skated by i think i borrowed some money mm-hmm. and then i ended up getting some i worked for buzzfeed for six weeks i went on the road for comedy a little bit but it's a real nightmare for a few years after that. what did you do at buzzfeed i worked for six weeks um in the video department and i'm glad it was only six weeks i'll just say that were you on camera yeah it, it, the video department just shits out stuff so mm-hmm. they just don't they just make anything and if you're in the department anyone can be on camera anyone can come up with something and it's just it's like the warhol factory of modern day where it's just like anything is art <laughs> and it's like maybe none of it is right yeah oh, i'm so curious what what your experience was like but you would like to move on right i will that's another thing that i'll tell you okay there. all right but happy to tell you let's uh, in a second, let's do just me or everyone. But first, I want to say, if you like what you're hearing, this is what the year is going to be like. You guys, it's going to be deep, 
deep conversations about the nature of being alive. Or it might not be. It might just be about farts. I don't know. Uh, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go to subscribe, leave a nice comment, review it, rate it. Uh, for some reason, when I begin talking about the stuff that you can do on iTunes, my brain shuts off and I think I just, I was redundant. Uh, but subscribe your friends, whether they want to be subscribed or not, or at least tell them about it. Also, I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go, different reward levels. We have bonus episodes, live stream, merch in the mail, all sorts of fun stuff, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Okay, let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Leela Rolling Stone says, Nothing ruins a favorite song faster than using it as a morning alarm. Just me or everyone. Oh, did you? Did you <laughs> Boy, what a show. Do you know how this works? No. People write in with things that they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me? Is it everyone? And then we weigh in. So Leela Rolling Stone is saying nothing ruins a favorite song faster than using it as your morning alarm. Just me or everyone. I just wake up to a preset, but I could imagine that this would happen. Uh, yeah, I don't wake up with a song, but I relate to it in the sense that if I, if I like a song, I will play it 300 times in a row and then never listen to it again. So the only way I can imbibe something is by basically killing the fun of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a song. Oh, I know that song. So I relate to it, but not exactly down to the specificity but leela i hear you uh let's see here nick heidenreich says as a kid when a thing would go positively i would say cool beans a phrase i got from my parents it makes no sense though if i ordered beans and they arrived cool i would be disappointed especially refried beans unless i ran out of mortar oh yeah out of mortar mid brick wall you could use cold beans as your mortar. I think Nick's really touching on an important subject. And uh, I feel like no one's really talked about kind of the incredible injustice beans have gotten by being misrepresented. Um, I had never thought about it, um, but he's right. How could we disagree with Nick? Do you say cool beans? And how do you feel? I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not really, like if someone said cool beans, it would make me have to take a moment. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. I think right. we've all said it. We've all said you it. Know? Um, I'm never proud of myself. Sometimes, mm-hmm. I do, again, my brain does what it does. Uh, I don't say it a lot, but when I have, I I do feel like, why did I do that? I could have said, fuck yeah. Yeah. Which would be much better. Um, I remember coming out strongly against right on. That does I was suck. very, very not right into right on. Yeah. And... I've sort of softened my stance Whoa, on it. It's similar age. <laughs> Similarly to how I was very opposed to like three exclamation points, mm-hmm. and now I I am made of exclamation. Well, now it's if all you I don't, am. it's an attack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's like, why do you want me dead? Yeah, I've, even though you thanked me. Right, yeah. I've yielded. Um, so I'm okay with right on. Also, I find myself saying no worries all the time on email and i don't feel good about that but it's like how else do you let someone know right on (laughs) 
<laughs> How else I do go, you let him know? There's also just a word. Like, no problem. I'll say like, um, sounds good. But I'm always wondering, does that sound too passive? Right. Sounds good doesn't... Yeah. So, no, I'll say sounds good too. But that was, there was one email chain where I feel like... So I'm... um. My friend and I both have kids around the same age and we're planning a joint first birthday party. And I, from early on, I was like, this is great because I hate party planning. And she's like, I love party planning. And I'm like, perfect, because I hate all this and you love all of this. But the entire time I'm secretly worried. I think she listens to the show. So, But it's not about you. This is how we'll find out. I'm secretly worried that as we get closer to the party, she's going to be like, this bitch isn't doing anything. And she's going to get super irritated with how passive I'm being. And I'm already worried that she's going to be upset that she had to lift all the weight, to do all the heavy lifting, whatever the phrase is. Um, and instead of actually dr- saying it directly to her, I'd prefer to just say it on a podcast. But we were emailing last night about aspects of the party. And ev- my response to everything was just, sounds good. Great. Sounds good. And I was like, I've just said sounds good 11 times in a row, but the truth is it all sounded good. I have a pitch for the next email. Lay it on me. Just write cool beans (laughs) and then just see what happens. Because sometimes I just... What if all of a sudden I have to do the party alone then? (laughs) What if she's like, I didn't know you were a cool beans person. That would be rough. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really tough. Yeah. I don't know if I can jeopardize this this sweet party situation with cool beans. Sometimes I'll just respond to an email. I'll just go, yes. Because really, that's all you should be doing is they ask you a question and it's either yes or no. But then it's like, why is he in such a bad mood? Right. I know. It's We're so, too sensitive. Yeah. Do you just... Are you comfortable using a period? I'm not. I've gotten... My job is kind of high stress, so I've gotten better at just sort of being efficient and just not like... Because a period can feel can feel like a punch in the jaw yeah yeah so i i never really know what to do but i also find that sometimes you want to be taken serious professionally so you just use the period to be like and that's final (laughs) like if i was asking you in an email hey jake are you going to that party and let's say you're not going what would your response be i mean ideally i would just say no period no, probably not. No, period. Because then it sound that does sound like an attack. But right. what I'd probably do is like, no, I'll probably say I'm going to go and then not go. Or, no, nah, I just don't feel like it. Or, yeah, no, you- I'm actually busy. But really, if we were friends, mm-hmm. if I knew we were friends. Well, I guess we're um, not. Uh, we're, we're incredibly good friends, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would just be like, no. Nah. nah. Is that an N-A-H? Yeah. yeah. N-A-H. No N-A-H period. is... It's very familial. I feel like it, but I feel like the question begs more words. Are you going to that party? If we're very good friends, I could just say nah, and you'd be like, Jake's just being Jake. Oh, you've got the built-in Jakeness of it all. Um, the Jakeosity. <laughs> Lauren K says, when a friend says they miss me, I take it as we haven't hung out in a long time and it's your fault. Sometimes I do. If I'm already feeling like I haven't been keeping in touch, then I will take it that way. Yeah, I think that's right. But also, Lauren, like, um, don't worry about it. Like, uh, you just need to work on yourself. And like, honestly, maybe it is your fault. But maybe you don't want to hang out with that person. Right. Maybe think about that. Like, yes, you could feel guilty. But like, why haven't you hung out with them in a long time? Probably because you got other shit to do. Yeah. It's weird. Oftentimes, you feel guilt over something 
and yet your actions reveal how you actually felt. I how mean, you actually you just don't want to admit to yourself how you feel that exactly. you like maybe I am a rude per- I might be a rude person who doesn't like people. Yeah, being like adulthood is just one long guilty feeling, you know, but it's like it doesn't really matter. Just admit what you actually want to do. You'd be a great therapist. <laughs> I think I would, but only for a very specific type of person. Right, you? Yeah. yeah. Angela P. says, I'm grossed out by residue of peanut butter on dishes in the sink, even though I love to eat peanut butter. I agree Yeah, the oil slick, oil, oily materials on dishes is kind of gross. Yeah, it is gross. I had a roommate who did that, and when I brought it up to them, they were like, that's not true. Like, it was like a really, like, defensive reaction because they understood how gross it was, I think. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And that's sort of just, like, the truth about life. Do you have a roommate now? No, just my cats. How's it going? Great. You whispered that. <laughs> really great. <laughs> um, Sooner Magic says, after making a phone call and it rings with no answer, I get nervous that the moment I move, the f- <sighs> I got to just be honest about what's going on. There's a tickle in my nose because I had to sneeze like 30 minutes ago. I'm having trouble talking because there's that, what do you call it? Soda in your nose? Fizzy nose? Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah. Nasal seltzer fizz. Seltzer nose. Yes, seltzer nose. I've like, everything feels frothy, but there's not actual frothy. It just feels uncomfortable and I like everything is tickling and I got to make some kind of gross noise. Hang on. I got I have to sniff. Allison <laughs> is falling apart. I'm thank you, Jeff. <laughs> I was doing a podcast the other day and uh it was Jimmy Pardo's podcast and um I got very like sniffly and he's like, Do you need an an allergy pill? I'm like, No, I already took one. It's like, Do you need this? Do you need this? Do you need to go blow your nose? And I'm like, No, I'll be fine. And I could tell that he was like Something has to happen. Um, and so finally, we took a break and I blew my nose and it made everything so much better. The point of this story is I've been having nose problems for a I, few I, days. I, I think, yeah. Well, also, we just had fires. I, I feel like Maybe some, that's what it is. something is, something's up. We're going to have to end this <laughs> soon. Sooner Magic says, after making a phone call and it rings with no answer, I get nervous that the moment I move the phone from my ear, I will hear them answer right as I hang up. I don't really realize um, that one. No. No, I feel like you had your rings. Yeah, it's I also gave it a like, good six to ten rings. Yeah, it's also like, but then just they'll call back or text or whatever. Like right. people understand that phone etiquette has changed dramatically. And so really nobody wants to talk on the phone. That's right. like the worst thing a human can go through. Everyone understands that feeling and you can always make up a fake excuse and people will know it's a fake excuse, but I'll pretend it's real. I think you should let go of that anxiety. Now, why is talking on the phone the worst thing a human can go through? Because I am right there with you and I have an idea about what, what might have changed, but I would like to know your thoughts. I think that talking on the phone was never an ideal thing, but I think at one point the idea of the phone was so incredible because it's like, it is incredible. I still don't really get how it works. It doesn't, like, I, I understand that, like, you can tell me, like, well, it's this and this and this. But it's like, but what? That doesn't make any sense. Right. Um. So I think once we, 
that seemed like the most impersonal thing, but it was still amazing. But now you can go way more impersonal, which is always better because you can just be hidden. You don't have to be exposed. And there, I don't think I have a good answer for this. What's yours, Allison? I think it's all of the things you're talking about. Uh, but I also think landline phone quality is so much better. So in the old days, it actually felt like an intimate activity to hang out on the phone with oh, someone. Whereas now point. it's like, the quality it's so frustrating if you're there's a constant like oh no wait you go no you go yeah um that it's just super fucking frustrating to be on a cell phone call i find so i don't ever want to be on them yeah i guess that's a good point yeah but also but i don't I- think that's all of it i think it's also everything you're saying of like it's the same reason i don't like to have an instant messenger chat of like i don't like the person waiting for my response that's a good point yeah I guess it's just that we f- we now have options that have more autonomy. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now I okay. Now I'm having trouble reading because my eyes are watering. Everything are is falling apart. Cats? I am actually. I have cats, but there's a. Sp- I can tell by your cat shirt and yeah. your reference to your cats. There's a specific feeling I get though when I'm been exposed to cats and i don't so i don't think okay. it's that okay although now that you mention it my throat is starting to itch so maybe it is cats are not okay <laughs> jeff thinks that i'm unfair about jeff thinks that i strongly that i have a cat a dog bias cats are gross oh my god i know Ugh. okay cats and cat people i feel they're um immoral fuck nuts <laughs> Pretty harsh stuff, Allison. Leela Rolling Stone also says, Sometimes I like to sing along with my favorite songs in a different accent just to see how it sounds. Parentheses, Colonel Jeff Fox. Philly is often hardest but most rewarding. I'm not really an accent person, so I don't really do that, but I can imagine it being fun. I don't relate to this one at all, but I also agree. Sounds like a great time. But also be careful you're not, you know... You know the rules of society. Right. There's certain accents you're not doing. Yeah. So be very careful out there. I feel like regional accents are okay. I mean... Cultural accents, not so much. So far. Right. Who knows when that will change. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do accents when I sing. I do like to do the Philly accent, but I don't... uh, I don't think I bust it out when I sing. What is the Philly accent again? Oh, that's the thing when you say, uh, I'm going down to shore, you just want to come with me. (laughs) I just love it. Going to get some saltwater taffies. It's it's not it's not the like in the top five of accents. Yeah, it's not well known, but it's a uh, it's pretty obnoxious. <laughs> Is that how your family sounds? Yes, <laughs> except ten times stronger. Is that how you used to sound? I don't think so. I probably had it a little because there are people that I went to high school with that I talk to them now, and they have the accent. My friend don't. Matt grew up in Texas, and he said at a certain point, he's like, I'm not gonna speak like a texan like i have bigger plans and i don't want to sound that way so we just decided to not speak that way yeah yeah interesting well i hear i never i thought there was not a california accent but then when i went to college i started hearing that i have a california accent i think it's also a vibe that my voice has or that i I, you don't sound very california to me you kind of sound more east coast to me Mm -hmm. but California to me, there's an accent, but it's more like just like a few different words in a general kind of way that they talk. Right. It's like a cadence. A cadence and I think a relaxed vowel sound. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it makes me think that they're saying I sound like a valley girl. 
which I might. You do not. Thank you. Not at all. You sound like a Jewish East Coaster. See, no matter how much your parents fight your roots, that's just who you are. I did, I did live in New York for years. Do you want to hear a recording of somebody in Philadelphia yes, talking please. in a pet store? I recorded this surreptitiously the last time I was home. Hello, baby. Hello. What are you talking? Oh, and then I've never heard of a before. Hello, buddy boy. Hello. You got your toy, huh? You showing off? Hi, guys. What's up? Huh? What's up, birdies? Oh, you see the earrings, huh? It's too shiny stuff. <laughs> I know you guys like shiny stuff. Yes, you do. Hey, no birdies. Coming to catch me. Hey, I like the birds. I like this guy down here. That's awesome. That's what my family sounds like. I love that. When did you take that? Uh, when I was home for Easter. There was a lot of that. How would you say Easter with a Philly accent? You might say Easter. <laughs> But I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it gets fillified. Easter. Yeah. Easter. Yeah. And yin. What's yins? Is that a Philly thing? Or is That's that a- Pittsburgh. Okay. Have you heard that? I uh, yes, but I can't. It means like you guys, right? The, it it translates in Philadelphia into use. <laughs> okay. Jake Weissman, it was so nice having you on the show. It's a pleasure to finally meet I you. I kind of feel like I want to recruit you to be a real life friend of my husband and me. Let's do it. But I'm not sure. Think about it. It's fine. <laughs> Send me an email. Um, you know. Yeah. No, but I do. I periods. just. I feel like we might all be compatible friend wise. But I Great. feel like I might be wrong. What if you don't want to hang out with us? Are you searching for friends at all? That Is makes anyone it- ever searching for friends as an adult. Um. Are you open to friends? Is I'm more open the to friends, but I'm never searching for friends. Right, no, because that's like desperate it's and like eager. It's like who needs more? Yeah, well, yeah desperate and eager. Weird, right, yeah. right. Yeah, sorry. You have to Gross. like awkwardly like ease into like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're my friend. Yeah, they're my friends. Yeah, you can't right. You can't be, you got to be cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well. It's we, almost like the rules of date. We're talking men and women. Yeah, it's just a little different. I know. I'm sorry. See, but this is. You have these made kind no of, mistakes. No, I have. These kind of exchanges are what you could look <laughs> forward to if you became real life friends with us. Cool. Can we just keep talking about death all the time? That's, it, it's actually the, the that kind of talk. I figured. Yeah, the deep philosophical panning for gold metaphor that's like, oh, I feel like maybe this would be a, this could be a real life friendship. Let's do it. It's rare that I do this. I don't doubt that at all. I could not imagine you do this a lot. Right. You don't seem like that kind of person. I'm not. You're an East Coast Jew. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let everyone know where to find you on social media and plug your show and do all your plugs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Weissman Jake. Um, and please watch my show, Corporate on Comedy Central. It's premiering January 17th at 10 p.m. You can also watch the episodes on cc.com or on demand or in the Comedy Central app. I think you'll really love the show. It's great. Jeff, where do we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Very, very uncomfortable over here. This, I, what if this sneeze stays with me for all of 2018? Like it never, I never release it. That would really suck. I know. And honestly, then this podcast would be really appropriate for the whole year. It really would. Yeah, it really set, I the, set tone. the tone. Yeah. Um, 
Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen, show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, Instagram, Allison Rosen, and please come see me at Sketchfest. Okay. Thank you all for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.